Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have a guest who is a commerce marketing strategist, analyst, and a content marketer with more than 15 years experience in email mobile, and social media marketing. He's the director of content at Omnisend. For those of you that have not heard of Omnisend before, we had the CEO here on the show. It's a email and SMS automation platform uh, focused on e-commerce. And last time I heard, they had more than 70,000 brands using Omnisend. He is also the host of a podcast called Cart Insiders, and he's here with us today, Greg Zekowitz. Greg, how's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's a pleasure having you here, and boy, do we have a lot of talk uh, to talk about here with some changes that just came out, uh, I believe, a few days ago. But yeah, well, it's funny because I updated my phone, and now I'm stuck. Apparently, is a thing on Twitter, but I'm stuck with uh, storage almost full notifications on there now, and they don't have a, a resolution for it. So uh, um, I'm one of those guys where I get this red dot at all times, drive me nuts. It it would it would completely drive me nuts, Greg. Uh, I haven't updated my uh, my iPhone yet. I never do it when the update comes out. I always wait a few days. So but, I am the same way. I always wait. But I'm an email guy, and there were so many email things in here. I'm like, I got to update right away. I should have waited. I should have waited. <laughs> I know you. You would probably dying to know what these changes were, and then at the same time, now you're dying to get that red dot away. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. I thought it was me. I went on Twitter. Everyone like this is happening to tons of people. So, hey, uh, small things, right? Small things. So, b- before we get into um, into the iOS 15 here, let's let's talk a little bit about you. First of all, how are the Buffalo Bills doing? So, uh, they are okay. Uh, I mean, I went through 20 years of just like mind numbing football, right? So, last year was a super fun year. Uh, it was a welcome breath of fresh air. My kids are at the age where they're in the football now. So last year was good. Like they get to see good football. Um, and so far this year, they've got some kinks on there. I'm a little bit concerned. I got Josh Allen thrown off the back foot an awful lot, but uh, I hope they get it. I hope they get it together. They've got a good team. It should be another fun year though. Yeah. I just saw they had a nice 35 to nothing uh, against the Dolphins, right? Yeah, but so. they, they didn't. It's a little misleading. They didn't look thirty-five to nothing good. You know, the defense looks good, but their their offense just is not clicking yet. Uh, so I, I trust they'll get that together. They got a couple games in a row here with uh, backup quarterbacks, so it should help them out and, and figure those things out uh, until they get the Chiefs. Nice, so Greg. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into anything else. Sure. So I'll try to keep this somewhat short. You guys can just Google me, check me out on LinkedIn, whatever you want to do. I'm an open book. So feel free to connect with me as always. Um, So me, you mentioned the intro, over 15 years of experience doing email marketing, which seems a little bit nuts, uh, not only because I look young, but uh, especially when I shave, but like 16, 17 years doing email marketing. If you think about that, you're like, man, were you the first one doing email? But no, it's been around longer, but it, it seems like a long time that it's gone really quick. So uh, I've kind of been on all sides of email. I was a practitioner sending brand emails and trying to build a brand and run verticals to uh, to running marketing and overseeing marketing programs for companies. And then working for an, an ESP, which I worked for a company called Bronto for eight years, uh, which was acquired twice, uh, NetSuite and Oracle. And there I was doing client consulting. So working with e-commerce brands, 
some in the IR500, uh, top brands there all around the world where I would actually look at their email program and consult them on how to improve and drive revenue and make those programs better. So you talk about automation and launch SMS programs, and then went into like an an analyst role. So following consumer trends and and figuring out how shopping trends for e-commerce brands tie into email and SMS and all these channels. And uh, almost two years ago now, I joined OmniSend. It was this great opportunity, very, this smaller startup that was, uh, had visions to do great things for the everyday brand, right? So you didn't have to have 20,000, you know, your average contract wasn't $25,000, right? You could just do month to month, almost like a MailChimp, right? But so much better. Um, So the opportunity was there and I'm like, this is great, right? So it checked all the boxes and I'm loving my time here so far. So it's, uh, it's good, but I've been in this email game for a long time, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, and being somebody that's been in email for so long, when you see something like OmniSend, does it uh, somebody that's on the outside, for example, like me, when I see a company like OmniSend, I'm like, this is so cool. Like you couldn't do any of this before, and now you can automate things and do workflows, and it it's kind of mind blowing. So to you, was it the same, or did you notice? slowly growing. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is automation, like automation in the email world is not necessarily new, but before it was do really good automation, right? With splits and something to be a little more than just like, hey, sign up and send a welcome message, right? Actual automation on these things. You would use a company like Bronto or something that was higher, more mid-level to enterprise type S. So you have your mom and pop shop or the small e-commerce store out there that doesn't have an unlimited budget. And they were kind of limited to what they could do from an automation standpoint. OmniSend, we want to democratize that, right? We want to say, okay, you're a small growing brand. You should have the same resource and the same tools available the bigger brands do without the cost to it. So that one that was super appealing to me that they had figured out, hey, we can do this and this is how we do it. And then, you know, it's so funny. They'll probably kill me for telling this story, but... Um, you know, so when I join them, I go over to headquarters and I spend a couple of weeks at headquarters. And, you know, so we're going through and I'm going learning the platform. I'm like, hey, it'd be great if you could do this. And they're like, well, what's the use case for that? And I would tell them, they're like, all right, we'll have that by Friday. Right. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. Right. And then like Thursday morning, they're like, hey, we got that done. Right. And they just move so quickly there. And I was right. like, there's this inherent focus on how do we, provide value for the customers. Uh, we're, we're, we don't take outside funding. So we are organically grown. We are bootstrapped, which means our customers are our investors. So if we provide a bad product, they're going to leave and we're going to go bankrupt, right? So there's this inherent focus on how do we make this tool better for the customers and give them what they need to drive revenue. And it was really cool because there were things like, I'm getting things out of there that I was asking for eight years of Bronto and just the nature of like how it was architected. And it was a great company, by the way, but the nature of how it was architected and things like that just didn't provide for the scale and speed where OmniSend, they got it, right? And it's getting better every single day, which is really cool. Yeah, that is something incredible because uh, I know places where you find this cool add-on, something that can be added on to benefit everybody. And just the time it takes to decide if they're going to implement is longer than what you said, right? It sometimes yeah. it can take a month just to say, yes, we will start working on it. hundred percent. hundred percent. I remember I was chuckling to, to one of my colleagues there. I'm like, 
what's going on? Like, where, what world am I living in here? But it's, uh, I mean, almost two years later, we're still doing this, right? We have, we're going to talk about iOS 15 today, but uh, you know, even with this, like it requires us to change our product, right? We need to adjust to this just as well. And we've been working on it and we're making those changes, which is awesome. You know? Okay. So now Greg, let's jump into the iOS 15. And um, when I first heard that iOS 15, there was, you know, something on Facebook or whatever, uh, iOS 15 is going to change for e-commerce. My first immediate thought was who cares? I don't send any emails using a Mac, right? I, I use my PC and I go through platforms like, for example, like OmniSend to do my email marketing. So I figured it's not going to affect me. But now in reality, it affects everybody. So first tell us what what are these changes? Uh, and then and then we'll go into after, like, how can we adapt to those changes? Yeah, so I'll, I'll boil, there's tons of changes in there. I'll try to boil it down succinctly to like just the email marketing side of world for e-commerce brands. But um, there's a couple different things. They call it mail privacy protection. There's a couple different things that um, this will do for you. So when you update and the first time you open up your default Apple Mail app. So, you know, some people have a Gmail app, which I do. I also have one of my Gmail accounts through my Apple Mail app. I have a Hotmail, I have a Yahoo, I have an Outlook. Um, it's just in the game, right? So I got them all. Mm-hmm. Most of them I use through my Apple Mail apps, so that default, uh, the default mail application inside your iPhone. A lot, most, most uh, people use that for their email. So when first time you open that, you're going to be presented with this, uh, this option where you can either opt out which is the first choice or scroll down and say, yeah, keep sending it there, but it's privacy protection. So what happens is a brand sends me an email and I opt out of, uh, have it. They've, they frame it in a way of like, do you want companies to track you? Right. Mm-hmm. To know you open an email. Right. So it, so most people just like they did with 14, five with the Facebook, the app tracking will click, no, don't track me. Right. Uh, so what's going to happen is, you know, brand, sends me an email. I open the email through this app. doesn't matter what client it is, but I open it through the iPhone app or on Apple Mail if I'm on a Mac. What it's going to do is it's going to pull the cache of that message from Apple, not from the e-commerce brand or OmniSend or whatever email provider you're using to send it. So from the marketer standpoint, he's going to go, oh, Greg opened that message. I've got 100% open rate for these people. What's happening is Apple's actually opening the message. Um, and then when the user, so me, asked, opens the message on my phone, it's pulling from the Apple side. So for marketers, they're going to see anyone using Apple Mail, they're going to see 100% open rate on these contacts. In reality, 100% open rate, you might still be getting a 12, 15, 18% open rate that the marketer doesn't know, the company doesn't know. Um, the consumer, is, you know, me, is hiding this activity from the marketer. Now, this has, we'll talk about this, but this has long-term ramifications and even short-term ramifications for a couple different things here. Um, So that's one of them. That's probably the biggest change on here. IP uh, tracking is also with this. So you think about uh, if you're on Safari, which is the default, you know, the native uh, web app on iPhone, the same thing. Okay, I'm going to go to, you know, gregsshoes.com. If you opt out of this, it's going to hide your IP. So when Greg's shoes goes, hey, you know who's visiting my site, or did Greg, who is on my subscriber list, did they visit my site? You're hiding my IP. So talk about like building out a geolocation profile will also get hidden here. Now there's 
One more thing, which I'm less concerned about, it's the iCloud Plus, so a subscription-based thing. You have the opportunity, which you've had this opportunity before, but um, to hide your email address as a whole. So you can make up an alias email address if you're a paid subscriber and choose to do this. So if you want to buy from gregshoes.com, you can use, go through your checkout like usual, you will use this this alias address. So the email address they give to me at Greg Shoes will be, you know, go Buffalo Bills at, at iCloud.com. And all the messages like the transactional, the order confirmation, shipping confirmation I send to you will go to gobuffalobills.com, which will then be forwarded to my actual email address. So the marketer has, and the company has no idea what my actual address is. I'm less concerned about that. I think it's going to be lower adoption. I'll argue those contacts are probably not good marketable contacts from an email site anyways. So I don't really worry about that, but that is out there. just want to state it. Um, it's those hiding of the open rates, which is really what has email marketing in, in kind of this tizzy right now. So until now, for those that are listening that don't know, uh, in order to track an open rate on an email, there's a tiny image sent in the, in the, the email. It's a beacon, right? And yep. that beacon could be one pixel. And then that's how, so those beacons are still being sent. It's just that Apple opens all no matter what. It, exactly. So I think you did a really good job explaining it. So I send an email out right now. Mommy send, I send an email out. It's got this little one pixel image in there. When someone opens that, that pixel to load is loading out of OmniSend. So it needs to call back to OmniSend and say, hey, send it just like the image and your call to action and all that, right? Send this over to the email. So what's happening is Apple's intercepting that. They're opening it, which is calling back to OmniSend saying, hey, load this image for me. So we're going to track 100% open, right? Because these messages are all opening, but it's not the user opening, it's Apple opening it, right? So that's a good job explaining it. But yeah, there's that little image in there that's hidden. Uh, and that's how these things load. Gotcha. So you mentioned how you have the the Apple email on your phone where you have most of your emails. And I have the same thing. I have all going through that. But then I also have the Gmail app. And sometimes I open an email on both, pay, both places. And then when I go to the desktop, for example, those emails, they still show unread on my desktop. Now, until now, if I open them on my iPhone and then most of the times you probably you you know this for sure. Um, when you open an email on your phone, you're on the go. You may not do anything with that email. You just read it, and you think to yourself, "Okay, I got to do something about this later." And then at least I'm like that. When I get to my desktop, I may want to answer it from the desktop, or or simply already forgot about that. But does that until now would that considered be considered several opens? No, so it'll still show the open. I, most email providers, will, if you open it multiple times, like they'll report on the unique opens. So if you open it five times, it'll just show the one open, mm-hmm. uh, right? So from the marketer standpoint, I think the challenge here is uh, the example you gave, like we're twins here, right? We got the default iPhone stuff, the mail app, and then we both have Gmail uh, things as well. So if you're on your iPhone and you use a Gmail app and open it through the Gmail app, we'll track... Apple will not intercept that. So that will be accurate. But if you go to, um, if you open it through your Apple, the default Apple mail app, it'll show the open. Now, here's the thing with opens. Once you open it and we record that, like we can't take that open away. So if the market is on red, we still know you open it, right? So 
open at one place doesn't really matter. Problem is if you're opening on the Apple side, right? And we, there's based on reports, 40 to 50% of people using Apple mouth on their phones. We've run reports at OmniSend over the last uh, couple months as well, tracking this stuff. We range between 40 and 50% of opens coming through the Apple mail app as well. So if you think about it from a perspective, uh, percentage wise, it's a lot of people, right? But if you have 40% open rates where you're not sure if they're actually opening or not, it makes all open rates less reliable at that point. You're like, okay, well, what do I do here? Uh, impacts marketing strategy for sure. But even 5% unreliable makes it unreliable. Yeah. And and I'm now thinking so many things that that this could affect. And I remember years ago where uh, it's probably still done, where people would capture their lists through the user preference. For example, was this user on an iOS device or on a, on a PC, for example? Uh, so the iOS list right now, you can never you can never clean your list. You can never know if your list is clean anymore. Yeah, and and that's the challenge. So you know, most providers, OmniSend uh, is something that we've worked. They talk about speed of engineering, right? So we now have the ability to you can run segments and say, okay, these are the people opening on on Apple devices, right? So we can track that. So you can percentage off those people now. Cleaning the list is a challenge because for those that don't know for the marketing side, you always hear email marketers tell you, hey, clean your list, clean your list. And, you know, I, I've, I've been through this world firsthand with uh, when I was consulting of people like, I've worked hard to build that list. I don't want to clean my list, right? I've like, it's a number. And, you know, but there's there are reasons that people like me will tell you to clean your list. Deliverability is the number one reason for that. So for people that don't know, the reason you land in the junk folder or bulk folder, it's not one particular reason. There's a, a, a variety of reasons put together, but engagement of your contacts is one of those really important reasons. Gmail looks at this very hard. Um, they were one of the first ones to really look at this and the others have followed suit. Um, so if you are sending to say 10,000 contacts and you are getting uh, you know, 10, 15% open rates and then people start dropping off and you go to 14% and 13%, Google's looking at that and going, okay, well, you keep mailing people that aren't opening. They, you must not be cleaning your list. And one day you'll find yourself at 8% open rates. And the next day you're at one, right? And that was a way to say, okay, I'm being bulk mailed, right? But that's one of those reasons is there's IP-based IP reputation, domain-based reputation. There's a lot of other factors, but that is one of the big factors here. If I can't track your open rates properly, and that was one thing, haven't opened the message in three months, haven't opened the last 40 messages, let's clean those contacts out. If we lose that, what does that mean for our, our re-engagement campaigns? What does that mean for list cleaning? Because are we actually unsubscribing people who are opening or are we keeping people who are not opening, but Apple's showing them open, right? Because they're intercepting it here and we're tracking 100% open rate. That's the one thing we don't quite know yet. Uh, we're too early in the game to figure out what's going to happen with this. And I think that's the one like inevitable. We've got to change our mindset as marketers to get away from open rates, which I've preached against for years. So I'm kind of glad this is all happening. Uh, I might shoot myself in the foot six months from now, but I'm glad we're kind of getting away from open rates as like this North Star metric. Uh, but the deliverability impact here is probably the most important, uh, not the most important, but it's one of the most unresolved questions about like, what does this actually mean for deliverability and list cleaning standpoint? Uh, I don't have a great answer for you, but we have historical data. So if you have that up until a couple of days ago, like there'll be an adoption of iOS 15 over the next couple of weeks. So it's not like everyone updated day one. A lot of people are like you, 
and, and what I usually do is we wait to see what the bugs are before we update, before our phone becomes bricked. And then we'll update at that point. So I would say if you're an email marketer now and you are worried about this, or maybe you've been neglecting cleaning your list up until this point, I'd probably do that right now. Use your data now, capture those people and start this thing off with a clean list, especially as we go into the holiday season here, Q4 marketing uh, and get yourself off to the right foot. So um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's one of the, the biggest unknowns here. It's one of the most interesting parts about this whole thing to me. You know, one of the things I used to do, bef- uh, for example, um, I sell on Amazon and on Amazon, they have what iOS now calls the hide my email on Amazon, it's yep. always been that way, right? So you, you, yep. the customer's email, you don't see the real one. But one of the things I always was proud of was that I had, I could send a really compelling subject that would make people open the email. Okay. So on, on Amazon, uh, it was, it's very easy on Amazon. Uh, and I'll even tell you what it is. It was simply about your Amazon order, dot, dot, dot. That was the subject. Uh, and that would, people would always want to open it to find out what about the order. Uh, now, if we don't know the open rates, there's no way to test if your subject A or B, like your A-B testing, which one would perform better, correct? Because, I mean, you could test, but you would never be sure. Yeah, the only way to really do that, and I do have a side story about your your subject line too, which... Uh, I think it's funny you use that because I've got a story there, but the only way to really do that is you're going to have to now create segments for people who are opening via Apple mail that are tracked. It's probably not going to be a hundred percent because you're always going to get some false negatives, false positives uh, just based on like different things, but create a segment of people, exclude them from the test. And then you've got to test to your leftover segment. But if you're going 40 to 50%, you're only testing on half your audience at that point, you're creating segments, like to me, it seems like a lot of work just to figure out some open rates here. Um, I, I do have some advice for maybe ways to rethink that or reskin it. Uh, now, one thing here is historical data. Like you, you gave a great story here about like, hey, this has always got to be really good open rates. Well, that doesn't change, right? You know what's going to get you that. So one, you have a historical baseline to compare that to. So if you start to see, hey, I'm using this subject line. It's an automated message or it's it's the recent purchasers. And I've always gotten a 65 or 70% open rate on it. Well, now if you see that go to 100% or say, that's not right, but let's say it goes to like 87%, you get this automatic jump. It's indication the subject line is still good, whether you track the opens or not, but you just see this unnatural jump, which is inflated figures there. Uh, Same thing if it goes the other way. So historical data, really important here. It's still worth testing, right? Even if you don't have the results, you're like, hey, two subject lines could work here. Try them out, right? But then look beyond the, like, okay, great. I get you to open. What's the next step for me? Well, the next step, you want them to click and then you want them to convert and you want them to or take an action, right? Whatever conversion means to you. It could be a product review. But, uh, you know, if I get, I always tell, I used to tell clients this all the time. I'm like, listen, if I get you 100% open rate and a 0% click rate, would you take that? And they're like, well, of course not. And I'm like, so don't worry about the open rate so much. Like, let's get the most amount of clicks to if we possibly can. Now, if we could create open rates and a lot of clicks, gravy, right? And money in the bank. But we want to drive that action here. So even if you can't tell the open rates 100%, but you're seeing click activity with two different uh, subject lines there, you kind of have an idea. Okay, we're getting more clicks here. 
probably have more opens there, but what's our click to send rate, right? And if that's going up, you know that the, the message is striking the right chord. That's what you want at that point. So, uh, you know, focus on those click rates a lot more now and focus on testing the content of the emails, right? And, and figure it out, but use your historical data and use what you know has naturally worked well for your audience with the subject lines to get those opens there. Real quick on your subject line story. Yes. I'll make this quick. I told you before we, before we started recording, I told you I ramble, man. So uh, post-purchase messages, good tip for email marketers here. So I used to tell clients, post-purchase thank you message, right? Send it the same day, the day after, two days after purchase. Thank them for the order. You can include an incentive if you want. You don't have to, but take them to customer service or take them somewhere, right? Something helpful, but just thank them. People love to be thanked. It's good communication building. Best subject line, bar none, consistent uh, 60 plus percent open rate to recent purchasers. Subject line, thank you for your order. So we're right on par here. We got yeah. this, right? Uh, worked every time though. Craig, uh, I'm going to elaborate a little bit of the content of that message. Uh, just here for for the story. Um, on Amazon, we're limited of what we can send, the number of emails we can send to the client. Mm-hmm. But if they reply, now you can reply to them and you can have an unlimited email back and forth as long as they reply to you. And we're not allowed to market to them mm-hmm. something that they haven't bought from us or like other products or whatever. So on that email and the content, um, the email gets delivered what, um, the day that the product arrived. So when we get confirmation that they have received the product, now it triggers that that email gets sent uh, to this customer. And in, in that email, it says, your product is expected to arrive tomorrow. When you receive it, please let me know if everything was okay. But we already know they have it, right? So a lot of people want to reply to let us know that we're wrong, right? We already, I already received the product. Uh, it's not coming tomorrow. It arrived today. And others a message saying that shipping was fantastic. It arrived a day early. It's all about expectations, right? Yeah. It's all about expectations. Uh, so one, great story. Two, great tip that people can use. Three, it sounds like you could use OmniSense Amazon integration. Just saying, just a shameless plug. I know I had to throw it in there. Uh, well, well, to be honest, I didn't know. I didn't know you had it. As, so we just uh, launched it a couple of weeks ago. So okay. I'll send you a link offline. Uh, we don't have to digress here, but a shameless plug. That's right. That's what I do. I, oh, I no, shameless no, plug no, that, <laughs> that is That is useful because uh, I'm really interested. So there you go. Now, when it comes to the iOS uh, 15 on, and all these changes, uh, you mentioned earlier the 14 or the 14.5 or something yep. like that. There was changes that were changing the way Facebook, was it targeting or retargeting? Uh, but anyway, to accommodate Facebook, they, they changed it, right? And they delayed it for a few months. Um, so you think, it, you think that's so, going to happen here? No. So they delayed it, but it is still out there. Um, on the, the the Facebook. So there was pretty mass adoption. They delayed it for, I think, some, maybe some phones or, or some settings, but for the most part, they had rolled that 14.5 out. Um, I was talking to some brands where I'm just friendly with the guys about when this announcement about two months ago with 15 came out and I dropped him an email. I'm like, hey, Darren, you know, what are your thoughts on this thing? And he's like, 
I haven't even looked at it. I'm still trying to get my row ass back in line from the, the 14.5 update, you know? And I'm like, so like there's real world implications here that was hitting brands. Uh, and for those that don't know, it's quickly kind of die. It's the same. If you think about the same tracking uh, restrictions or, or protections that email did, right? The, the old joke out there is like, oh, Facebook's listening to me, to everything I say, right? Because you always get the ad. That's something you're talking about, but yes. you know, chances are when you're talking about something, you're also looking at stuff on the phone or there's something you saw on the phone that spurred that. And then, so what people don't know is you're on the Facebook app and then you navigate on Safari or you're on a couple of different apps, right? That data is all being aggregated and Facebook is getting that data, right? So they're putting data points together and saying, oh, you know, Greg's talking about going to Key West for his anniversary. And he has gone to Key West before because we see pictures here and he tagged the, the Key West photo out. Like they're putting these data points together. So when you want to create a lookalike audience, you're like, hey, give me people who like tropical, you know, Southern tropical locations who might be having an anniversary or planning a trip. Like they've got these data points, they've got me pegged, right? And then at Instagram and Facebook, I start seeing all these ads for stuff. So what Apple did was say, okay, we're going to give users the choice to allow apps to track them everywhere they go, which of course they're going to say no to. And I think it was like yeah. 93%. I, I joke around, it's like 93% said no and 7% of marketers said yes. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, the, it's kind of doing the same thing here, right? So, you know, we're limiting the marketer scope of data um, for what they can do with it. Now, I think the great thing about, like, again, Omnisend, but other platforms as well, is we've gone to a stage where, you know, you look back seven, eight years ago, if I want to send emails, I would use this platform. And I want to send SMS, I would use, use this platform. And if I wanted to do paid retargeting, I'd use this platform. And like, you had this data all over the place. So email marketers will look at email marketing data and that's it, right? That's what they did. And, you know, most of these platforms now, they have multiple things in one place. So, right, you might not be able to track opens, I could track clicks, but I can also create lookalike audiences directly with email activity and, and create those lookalike audiences into my Facebook or Instagram account, knowing that I have this email activity to combine with the data I had before. So I think that's, or same thing on like Google paid, uh, on, on Google ad networks. So paid search or retargeting on YouTube or whatever it is, right? If we have all this data in one place, we can then spit it out and use it more, uh, you know, more effectively. And from a cost perspective, make it less uh, cost prohibitive for us. So we can increase the ROAS and use the, this data in one place for us, you know, and SMS is another example, right? So we've got SMS in the same platform. Hey, stop opening or stop clicking on emails, but you're clicking on SMS. Do I need to retarget you on Facebook because you're still active with my messages? Well, maybe we want to save that money and retarget people who have stopped or have taken six clicks, right? And we want to retarget them to, to try to push them over the finish line. So like, there's so many great things, but eight years ago, you were siloed. Now you have all this data in one place where you take away open rates and I'm like, all right, it changes my perspective a little bit. But I've still got all this data that is probably more impactful for me where I can I can get over that. I'm good with that. Does that make sense? It, it does. Yeah. So and technically, like you mentioned earlier, uh, the open rates were never your biggest, your biggest uh, goal. It was the, the clicks and the actions taken on those emails is what really matters, right? Because 100% open rate, zero clicks means nothing. Exactly. And zero percent open rates, like I'm not getting clicks there. So like yeah. you got to have this, you got to have this balance there, right? There's got to be a balance associated with it. 
you know, I think the bigger the 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 bigger talking point is maybe it's not even a talking point, but like the bigger concept is that if you're if you're in email marketing or anything that involves an email, even if it's just tangentially, like everyone has grown up with open rates as being like that that gold metric, right? That North Star metric. And that's just, it, it's a way of thinking. It's what you've grown up with. It's what you've been indoctrinated with. It's what you've lived your whole life. It's what executives, when you present these reports to them, they think open rates, right? Open rates, sales. Like those are the things they look at. And it's like, okay, I don't care about like split testing and stuff. Like those are the things they look at. So it's more of a mind shift than anything. It's like, okay, how do we break away from our traditional mindset, which there's nothing wrong with, of being open rates being that metric to not changing that to activity-based stuff. Because the acti- you know, the activity-based stuff is ultimately where you're going to find the most success. We talked about automations before, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. <laughs> So we do these stats reports at OmniSend. We did them quarterly and then a year one last year. We just published our first half stats reports. They're not gated. So if you go to our resources section, you can find them there and just peruse them and look at them as you wish. You don't have to give us any information for it. So last year, 2020, we looked at billions of emails, SMS, all this stuff. Automations drove 29% of all email orders on uh, 1.8% of email sends. So far for the first half of 2021, billions of emails sent, 32% of all email orders on uh, 2.4% of email sends. So if you think about this, 32% of all email orders are coming from automated messages, and it's not even 2.5% of your total email sends. Well, why is that? Well, they have high clicks, higher than average opens, higher than average conversion rates, because they're relevant messages, right? So I abandoned a shopping cart. I trigger off this. I visit your website, but I don't cart a product. You can trigger a message based on either products or category products I'm viewing. I sign up for an email program. I get a welcome message or welcome series. Uh, I make a purchase. I get a post-purchase message. I don't purchase in a while. Like we're triggering these all based on behavior-based messages, right? User does or doesn't do something. Automation is sent. It's a timely... Re- it's it's the epitome of that, like that old cliche, right message, right time, right customer, now right channel. It's the epitome of that because it's only triggering based on what the actual user is doing. So if we look at the automation side and say, okay, we know relevant messaging matters, but realistically, the everyday e-commerce brands not going to segment their audience 10 different ways because that means they need 10 different email creatives. No one's got time for that. It's just not from a resource limitation. It's just not uh, scalable for most brands. So if we start shifting our focus on activity, engagement with messages, even if it's a batch and blast message, we, we shift our mindset away from opens and in the clicks. What is the engagement? It's the legs that feed the wolf, right? That's going to get you, okay, is this message, do we design this message the right way? Is that the right image to use in there that's going to get the, the clicks and ultimately the conversions, right? Versus, oh, is that the right emoji to use in the subject line? And I love emojis and subject lines, by the way, use them, use them a lot, especially Q4, use them all the time. But like the mindset shifts, let's convey the message better. Let's worry less about the open rates or, you know, the opens of it and put the money where, you know, let's put our resources where we're going to get the best bang for the buck. And that's going to be in the activity-based stuff. So I hope I explained that clearly enough, but like, if you have that subtle mind shift, it, your your email marketing is going to be more effective for you. You're going to increase the sales a little bit more. That's the beauty of it. Now, let me holistically put this all together for you, if I can, if I yes. can. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Uh, so we talk, I my big saying, and I, I, I'm not, 
it's not unique to me. I love the movie Miracle, uh, the U.S. hockey team, right? One of my favorite movies. There's a saying in there from the coach, the legs, that feed, the legs feed the wolf, right? The legs feed the wolf, gentlemen. And I say that all the time with email marketing, right? So if we talk about engagement-based stuff, all right, let's shift away from the open rates. Let's focus on making the message to get the most amount of clicks, right? And I've talked about automations being behavior-based, so they're driving more revenue. If I can increase my clicks to an everyday message, say 5%, right? I've got 5% more people now going to my website. Say none of them cart a product. They just go there, right? But they're checking something out. Well, they're, why'd they click? Well, something in their life has taken them to click. Could be a new product. Could be they're shopping for something. Could be they've checked your email. They've opened it. So something in their life is going there and they all bounce. All right, I'm not buying today. Doesn't mean they're not interested. Maybe they're just not interested right now. Maybe they're like you and they're like, I'll, I'll get to that later, right? If you have automation set up that now can trigger based on products or category products you're browsing, you now trigger a automated behavior-based messaging to the user in the background. You didn't do anything that maybe piques my interest again, or reminds me that I checked out whatever a new pair of Uggs or something, right? Whatever it could be. Um, so now I've got this, maybe I go back and I cart the product and then I get a band the cart message, right? But you're setting yourself up by increasing clicks on an everyday scheduled promotional message to then drive your automation, which is behavior-based and converts better and opens are better and clicks are better and everything's better. You start feeding the wolf a little bit, right? So more engagement, higher open rates. So whether it's trackable or not, now higher open rates, what's that mean? That means Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, anyone who is using open rates to track metrics now has another open rate in their belt, right? It gets you closer, but now you have more click activity. So do I want to retarget them on Facebook or Instagram? Maybe, maybe not based on the click activity, but I've got more activity, more data to use now. I can, like, there's so many things I can do with just an email click on a Tuesday, you know, batch and blast message that before the focus is all on open rates. It's like, okay, what's my open rate like? So this is like, I, I nerd out about this stuff, right? I, I geek out about it, but like, there are so many great things we can do from this. So it's like, there's a lot of fear about like, what does this ultimately mean? I look at it as a good thing. And I'm like, what it means is that you can be even more effective, right? With your email for the marketer, the more effective they are, right? They can get promotions. They can get a raise. They can kind of do whatever, like it helps them too. So. Yeah. So that's amazing. Now, one of the things I, I want to go ahead and touch on was you mentioned that you love emojis on the subject. Yes. Um, it's one of the things as a email uh, receiver, as, as the person that receives the email, I tend to junk those. Get out, do you? Yes, as a receiver. Now, it may be because I'm a marketer as well, and I know all the emails that have emojis are going to try to sell me something. But th there are certain certain words that I automatically junk, and anything that mentions crypto, uh, for example, now it goes directly into, into the junk folder and emojis. Now there's something else, and I wanted to ask. I'm not saying they're not good. Uh, emojis, like you said, they're good on subjects. That's why we get them a lot. But I see some that have the subject bold or even bold and italic. And those, by default, when I look at my emails in G Suite, those are always in the spam folder. Not, not by me. They're, they're put there automatically. Now, is that because they are spam or is that technique considered spammy? 
It's a really good question. I don't have a definitive answer for you yet. I've never really advised anyone to do italics in their subject lines. Now, I'm like you, like the wording's a little bit different. So if I go to my Gmail book folder, yeah, I'll see those italics. The font is a little bit different, like yes. it's odd. My guess is that is a flat. Most of those things are actually spam though, right? They're coming yes. from their actual spam ones versus branded ones. So it's got to be something which you would think like you would think spam agents would just like use regular text. I don't know. Like it just makes sense. Like use Arial. I don't know. Why do yeah. we have to use this fancy stuff? Right. They're trying to do something there. Um, I don't know what the, what the, uh, like the proactive to reactive side of that is. I just don't know. I would advise you until we know to avoid any sort of use of italics or stuff like that. We know emojis won't impact your bulk foldering. We know that, it's like these old rules, right? B2B, a little bit different. B2B, you have different filters, right? Because you're going through firewalls and company uh, spam filters, which are a little bit different. So definitely my advice is definitely hear it more on the D2C side. So take that for what it's worth. Yep. Um, but we know emojis are not going to get you even like 10 emojis in a row, whether it's in the pre-header text or the subject line, you're not going to get bulk mailed for that. All capital letters, you're fine. Uh, five exclamation points in a row, you're fine using the word free percent. Like you're good with all that, right? We, we've that used to be one of those old filterings for D to C. We've moved beyond that with DMARC uh, certification, IP based, domain based reputations, uh, engagement metrics. Like ISPs have gotten smarter about that. Okay, that, that's one of the doubts I had, and I try to avoid using the word free uh, because I know in in other contexts it's it's not very it's not welcome all the time on subjects i didn't know so there's no no repercussions for d to c you're fine right because you think about free shipping like free shipping is just standard now mm, so like you try to tell a brand like you can't promote your free shipping they're gonna they're gonna look at you and be like all right we'll see you later greg get yes. out the door right <laughs> go uh yeah now b2b or if you're sending to like a branded domain uh, so if you're sending like Greg at Greg shoes, by the way, Greg shoes I've, is probably out there, but it is not me. So I'm just <laughs> Greg shoes. If you're actually out there, you get free plugs today. Right. So, uh, so like if you're going to Greg at Greg shoes.com, you might have a different issue with it, right? The free might trigger whatever filtering they're using. But if you're going to a major ISP, like Hotmail, Gmail, um, Yahoo, something like that, you'll be fine. Awesome. Now, Greg, I know that you speak at events and you spoke at uh, all the big events and, and related to e-commerce. So if anybody wants to have you at their event uh, speaking about anything e-commerce related, email, uh, marketing, or if they want to know more about you as a person or more about OmniSend, where would you send them all? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll give you all sorts of places. So OmniSend is the easy one, OmniSend.com. Uh, if you want to reach me at OmniSend, it's just Greg at OmniSend.com as well, 1G. Um, so feel free. Um, like I said, I'm an open book. Feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, you can always, if you want me to come present or lead a workshop or anything uh, through OmniSend, feel free just to shoot me an email there. Great way to get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just spell my last name right, but Autopop. There's not many of me in the US, so uh, you'll find me. Uh, so LinkedIn, feel free to reach out to me, connect with me. Just if you do send me a friend request, let me know why you're sending me a friend request. Uh, I usually decline just generic ones without uh, without any sort of note in there. Uh, I'm on... <laughs> <laughs> too late. <laughs> hey, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. Uh, I'm on Twitter at What's Greg Doing? 
So very old back when Twitter used to be about what you're doing. So uh, what's Greg doing? And I just kind of stuck with it and owned it. Uh, I also, you can go to gregzagwitz.com if you want to. There's a little bit about uh, events I've spoken at, uh, things I've written for uh, press publications, links to podcasts there too. Um, so you just search me and you, you'll find me. But I would love... I love speaking. You can tell when I get into it, I get into it, right? So I would love to come uh, speak for your company or do anything you want, uh, speak in an event. I- I'm there for you. So let me know. There you go. So, Craig, you're, you're going to have my my LinkedIn connection. It was sent without a message. And I'll explain just before I let you go. The reason why I do it is because uh, I get a ton of invites and I'm close to, I would say, close to the 20,000 connections now. But when I open the list and they have the message before the connection, 90% of those messages already have a sales pitch on it. So uh, if they all had messages, and I would have to read all of that, normally if it's, okay, uh, Greg wants to connect with you, and I'm like, oh, he doesn't have a sales pitch, I go and I accept it right away. So because I didn't like that when it's done to me, I kind of, now I just send without message. So it's so funny. Like this, this is uh, like the LinkedIn strategy session now. So like, I don't need that to be really long. It can be, by the way, I'm navigating to, this is terrible for uh, audio audience, but I'm I'm linking, I'm looking right now to see if I actually accepted your friend request or not. Um, So you could probably look while I'm talking if you want, which I find interesting. But so I've done a couple of things on LinkedIn. One, the note does not have to be a long, it could be just like, hey, heard you on XYZ podcast, right? Cool. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with something super short or, you know, you're handsome. That always works. You always catch me, right? So uh, that's always a good one. The other thing that I started doing as well, and this was when a lot of automation was going around, like I put a, an email, like a, a mail envelope in front of my first name. So when I see that message in there, I know it's automatically filled up and I'm like, all right, you're spamming me now, right? It, mm. You know, the sales pitch is coming. So it's cut down on a lot of stuff. I still get them every now and then, which is fine. Like I love salespeople, right? I, you know, I've done sales before. I work with salespeople. Like I love it, but I don't know. Yeah. Ask me how I'm doing before you pitch me something. I don't know. It's a small exactly. thing. Exactly. So that's exactly my point, right? Don't don't give me the pitch before you even introduce yourself. So I rather you don't say anything than try to sell me on the very first <laughs> second. Yeah. I mean, people got to buy stuff, right? There's software out there that can legitimately help a company and uh, tools out there that you might not know about until the guy talks to you. So like, I try to give them a little bit of benefit of doubt, but I I need more than just like an accepting friend request. And then you try to sell me something like that's not to me, that's not the way to win my business. Uh, That's not how you're going to get in with me. And I will defriend you right away, right? (laughs) You are gone at that point. So uh, I actually had a very funny one. Uh, some guy sent me a message on LinkedIn and he was so honest. He said, if you think I'm not here trying to sell you something, you are wrong. (laughs) So he said, I'm going to introduce myself and eventually I'm going to try to sell you something. And I'm like, he's so honest that that I actually like this approach. If you think I'm not going to try to sell you something, you're wrong. (laughs) Well, you know, anything you could do to, to kind of, to stand out there. So, uh, you know, hey, if it works for that guy, great, you know. So everybody that's listening, uh, Greg Zekowitz, uh, I'm going to have all the the links on the show notes if you want to check them out. Greg, it was a pleasure having you here. We're obviously going to stay in touch. 
And as um, soon as we hang up here, I'm going to go check out your, your Amazon connection. Yeah. And, you know, any feedback on it, like I said, it came out about two weeks ago. We're still, uh, we move quick here. So we're still making uh, improvements and we're open those things. So if you look at it and you're like, Hey, it'd be great if it could do this, like if there's something missing, let us know, you know, I'll send it to me and I'll shoot it over to them. So, uh, you know, it was, it's something where Amazon reached out to us and it was like, Hey, do you want to build this? Uh, we have a need for it. So we tried to build it. It's, uh, my opinion, if you're an Amazon seller, it's good. And you also do email marketing, but it is brand new. So we're always open to feedback, whether it's product feedback or anything. Uh, that's kind of how we thrive over here. So please let me know, even if it's offline, uh, just, hey, it'd be great if you could do this or uh, whatever. And uh, we take that to heart. Awesome. I will do that. So Thank thanks so much for having me. I, I appreciate you just letting me talk and ramble and, and geek about this. But It's a pleasure to listen to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>